you're in a community that's looked the same way your whole life, and then all of a sudden it's, it's completely changing, and, and the only thing you're hearing about the change is maybe on talk radio or um, rumors that are circulating in the community, um, you're not going to necessarily have a positive image. But then when they meet immigrants um, and hear their stories, uh, their, their perceptions change. Welcome to Trending Jewish. I am Rachel Burgess, and with me I have my fabulous co-host and co-worker, Brian Schwartzman. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Brian. You, you know, we were trying to do this thing, this shtick from this, from Seinfeld, where we, the Newman and Jerry Seinfeld going with their horrible hellos and all this malice and hate, and we tried doing this, and it just didn't... We're just too nice to each other. We're all friends here. Yeah. We're just too nice to each other. You're, um, you're, so for the first time, you're, you live in a major, major city. How's, how's the new digs going? Um, I am finally just moved into Philadelphia. So now I am, I'm, I moved to Mount Airy and now it's very mountainous and very airy as composed to, as, like the rest of the world and then you are still in out of the city now yeah that's funny you point about it for the first time a year ago i moved out of the city and it's really the first time in my life i'm living in the suburbs with uh with two kids two cars big yard and also thinking about two kids um we were actually just talking with our guest david lubell and um he actually has two kids the same age as your two kids so i'm i think that you both have a lot of those same challenges of you know you have these little people now with little ideas they're not just these cute bundles of um a baby anymore they're they're little people that are trying to figure their ways through the world and and I'm sure able to run around so they're hard to catch now. So, so excellent, uh, excellent segue. Um, some our 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 guest David, we're we're thrilled and, and happy to happy to have him. He's um, while uh, while raising two boys, somehow out um, trying to to make the world a better place for migrants, immigrants, and and refugees. And we could do a long, long introduction for him and 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 run out of time so i'll I'll try to keep it brief but he is the uh founder and executive director of uh welcoming america did i did i just get the name right yep you got it right all right so (laughs) that's that's good maybe we'll 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 leave in my my doubt or not based on uh and he's the founder and executive director of welcoming america which um brings a new innovative approach to um making uh making uh our our cities and and towns a more welcoming open space for refugees and and immigrants and and for his work was just awarded the uh, very illustrious charles bronfman prize um which um which celebrates the vision and endeavor of an individual or team under the age of 50 whose humanitarian work uh, combined with their Jewish values, has significantly improved the world. So it's it's hard to, um, it, it it's hard to, to to get more 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 lofty than than that. So we're, we're thrilled to to talk to uh, David about about his work, about um, how how Judaism uh, influences and informs his his work and and approach to activism and. Uh, 
you know, and some of the challenging times we live in. So, so welcome, welcome, David. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being on our, on our podcast. This is, um, you know, we're, we're really thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for welcoming me. I appreciate it. So, David, I have a bit of a question thinking about um, you. You gave this wonderful TED Talk, actually, in Germany. And I think we have some more questions about your your time and your work with Ger- in Germany as well. But I think about um, you, the way you started out your talk you said my you know my parents told me don't talk to strangers and you go into and then you go into your topic talking about um welcoming the stranger do you find yourself telling your do you see yourself one day telling your children don't talk to like how do you talk to your children now how do you give that that lesson to them now that they're kind of at that age (laughs) that's a great question and yeah i i uh I struggle all the time to, to figure out how to bring uh, my work into my house um, so that I'm modeling, welcoming to, to them and to my kids and um, also that they see that welcoming nature um, being shown to others. Uh, but as far as the sort of these, these difficult philosophical questions, um, you know, you, 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 I can't necessarily tell my kids to go ahead and just talk to, to anybody right. that you see either. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's more, how do you, how do you, um, if you're just told uh, as a kid, you know, don't talk to strangers and there's no recalibration uh, later, um, it, it becomes more ingrained in your head that, that uh, someone who's uh, kind of the other in your mind should, should never be um, trusted fully. Uh, and so, my question for us is how do I uh, start introducing the idea that people who are different than you, who are, who are even maybe, you know, foreign to you, um, actually bring lots of um, positives uh, into your life until you should step out of your comfort zone. Um, not necessarily when you're walking down a dark alleyway, but certainly when you're in your classroom or, uh, you know, when you're at Hebrew school or wherever you are. Um, it, you know, where it's a, you know, it feels like a, a good space for it. Uh, step outside your comfort zone. I, I, I want to and, and, and see what somebody else has to offer when you make them feel welcome or when you reach out to them. Um, so, so yeah, that'll be a balancing act that I continue to do with my kids. Um, but it's the balancing act that our society needs to do as well. We need to be able to, um, you know, address you know all the the fears of the modern age but still um recognize that that, uh, whether it's immigrants or anyone who's different than us uh, in a time such as the one that we're in now we we have to uh, remember that um people who are different than us uh, and the diversity of this country is what makes it strong what makes it special um but that has to be actively sought out Um, we can't just be passive um, about uh, diversity, we have to actively welcome it. So, for our for our listeners who who aren't familiar, can can you really talk about the organization you've created and what makes it what makes its approach maybe a little different from others in in, in confronting the challenge you know, the challenges out there? Sure. Um, so, Welcome America. We're a we're a national. Uh, Nonprofit. We actually do now some work internationally as well. Um, but basically, um, we, we, our job is, to, is is based around community, um, and we help communities um, around the country um, to to figure out how to 
um, reach their full potential by becoming welcoming to immigrants, refugees, but also becoming more welcoming in general and, and, and kind of break that down into two categories. Um, so first we help communities uh, develop a more welcoming culture um, and I can go more into you know how that how we help them do that but a lot of it has to do with just um, bringing different stakeholders together and, and um, forming connections and having dialogue between um, long-time residents of a community and newcomers in a community which often doesn't happen on there's, there's other steps um, and we, we work with municipal governments, we work with nonprofits, we work with different stakeholders in the community to, to try to make, make the culture a more welcoming one and, and build uh, understanding where there was previously fear um, or misunderstanding. Uh, and then the other piece is around helping communities become structurally or, or, or institutionally welcoming. And this is where we work particularly with municipal governments along with other partners. Um, but that's the idea that, um, okay, let's look at, uh, you know, I, I'm in Atlanta uh, and the mayor of Atlanta um, wanted to, to figure out how to not just be a tolerant community, but an actively welcoming one. And so um, we helped him put together stakeholders uh, from different sectors uh, and especially the immigrant refugee community, but, but others as well to look at, all right, what are, when someone comes to Atlanta, what are all the barriers that they might face to being fully part of this community, fully successful in this community, um, and how do we together create a plan to, to reduce as many of those barriers as possible. So um, uh, a lot of policies have changed. Uh, Atlanta now has an office that focuses on this, um, and it's just one example of many. We, we, we work in over 160 communities now in the United States. We started with one, and uh, you know, 2009 we, we were working with one. Um, so it's grown quickly, but that's 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 in a nutshell what we do is, is try to help communities transform themselves uh, into fully welcoming places. Yeah, I was, I was having some, I was getting the concept. I was having trouble really envisioning how this how this works. It sounds like in in Nashville was one place where you had sort of dramatic success. I mean, can you can you go into a little bit more of the how this how this concept, you know, how it works? Sure. Um, so I, I got into a little more detail there about, because um, uh, basically uh, about a community that was maybe um, tolerant, but not actively institutionally welcoming. Um, and and so I, I, with the example of Atlanta, I got into that a little bit. Um, so we work with uh, different communities in the United States that are in that uh, that type of a situation, um, maybe tolerant, but you know that's not in the modern age. That's that's not what uh, it's not enough um, in our opinion. In a lot of places, uh, agree. Um, but the other piece, the, this this piece around culture change, we work. Uh, you know, this is most needed in places that have had rapid growth in their immigrant populations and don't have a lot of experience, um, recent experience with immigration. And so Nashville, there's many, many communities like that in the United States. Uh, you know, we've had the second great wave of immigration over the last 25 years, the second biggest wave of immigration ever in our country. And so in Nashville, they were struggling with that. They had had about a uh, 400% increase in their uh, immigrant and refugee population in the late 90s, early 2000s, and there had been a backlash uh, to that. Uh, people in the in the you know the long-time community, um, you know, sort of bought into the fears of immigrants and the idea that that, that this was something bad for Nashville. And so it took a lot of time, but we you know used three basic ideas, three three basic um, principles to to 
start to change that. And one was leadership, the idea that you could identify leaders from the religious community, from um, all sorts of different sectors of the community, um, to, to come together and, and say, we're going to make this community welcoming, but also to speak out in their uh, various communities. So, so religious leaders have uh, an ability to affect their communities. Business leaders, same thing. Political leaders, um, they each have a role to play. So leadership was part of it in national. Also, contact, uh, and I talked about this a little before, um, people in neighborhoods in Nashville were not talking to their immigrant refugee neighbors. And so that, you know, fear actually tends to grow when you have people nearby, but you don't connect with them. And, and so um, we uh, helped uh, volunteers, uh, you know, get used to facilitating dialogues and conversations and dinners in, in you know, basements of churches and synagogues, but basically conversations or community centers, conversations that broke the ice and helped uh, immigrants and uh, longtime residents get to know each other and stop and sort of otherizing each other. Um, and so that was a long process. And then finally, uh, communications work. Uh, in a community that's fearful, often the messages that you hear about immigrants and refugees are, are inaccurate and wrong and, and, and exacerbate the fear. And so uh, we wanted to get the stories of, of immigrants and refugees in Nashville that were contributing um, and or just, just share, you know, shared the values of the local community because um, it was there, but nobody really knew about it. And so we used billboards, we used um, radio advertisements, social media, whatever we could to, to tell the stories of shared values and contributions. And over time, it, it started to make a real difference. And um, actually, there was a vote, uh, a referendum that a city council person who in Nashville tried to make English the only language for government uh, at the local level, um, an English-only law or a referendum. And the people of Nashville in 2009 voted um, it by large margin against that. And we knew at that wow. point that we had really shifted things because um, before that, the polling was really, you know, a little time before that, it looked really bad. But, but, but yeah, Nashville came up the other end saying, this is not who we are. We're, we're not an unwelcoming community. We're actually a very welcoming community. It's time to get aligned with our values. And, um, yeah, a lot of communities that have rapid demographic growth are not aligned with their values and we can come and help them to realign and it feels better for them to do that. Um, and Nashville is now proud of, of being one of the most welcoming cities in the Southeast. I'm s- when you talk about your work, even before you started Welcoming America, you did, um, I think a lot of this, this work that you were doing in Nashville actually happened before this organization started, I believe. Um, so, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of curious. I mean, you like you put a lot of your heart and soul into this issue of um, immigration and welcoming. And I'm curious for all of the time and all of the conversations and a lot of the negotiations and a lot of the listening that you had to do in order to understand these different points of view, especially with all of your time being down in the South, Um, What made this issue the what made this cause be the cause that you needed to be on the ground and make some sort of change as opposed to all of the problems that are happening in the world? What was it about welcoming and welcoming the stranger that really called to you so early on in your career as well? So, yeah, it's a great question. Um, 
I uh, started, you know, and I'm, I'm not from the South. I ended up there for a relationship. Um, but, uh, you know, I started my social justice, um, I guess you could say, career. I was too young for it to be a career when I started um, it, working on the issue of homelessness and, and, and you know, volunteering at homeless shelters in Philadelphia. Um, but in college, I started you know, working on community organizing, and um, I couldn't connect as deeply as I wanted to with the, the um, immigrant community, especially the Latino uh, community that I was working with in some of the places in Connecticut uh, where I was doing my organizing. So that led me to Ecuador, um, where I spent my year after college. Um, and I, when I went to Ecuador, I, I you know, I, I knew I was going to try to teach English and to learn Spanish, um, but I, I wasn't really... Um, confident that I'd be successful, uh, but I was uh, really welcomed by this family, um, this host family that I was able to um, to, to reach out to, and uh, they really just they treated me like I was one of the family um, and helped me get my uh, sea legs on as far as teaching the parents' work at the school where I went to and, and helped me understand how that worked, and the kids, um, you know, when they went out, I went out with them, they were always uh, just you know, I was one of the family. And so I felt the power of welcoming through that experience. Uh, I, I, I learned Spanish, became a successful English teacher. I gained confidence um, that I needed to, to do everything that would come after that. Um, and so I felt that power of welcoming. And so when we got back to the United States, it was to Tennessee because of this relationship from college. Um, and um, and I really wanted to... to, to um, sort of pay back that favor. I wanted to make sure that people arriving in the U.S. felt um, when you would feel disoriented the way I did and, and scared um, could get a, a similar welcome to the one that, that I received. Um, and so that's why I, I started working in the Latino community um, in, in Memphis. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, I, it just kind of it, it took off from there. I, I felt really at home um, in that in that environment, um, but but there's a you know a whole other story about how it led to welcoming America. But, but I started as a community organizer in the Latino community in Memphis, and um, there's there's uh, several several steps that led to uh, welcoming America. But I definitely um, feel very at home um, in this in this field uh, and, and happy, um, very very aligned with my values. That we'd want to make sure that this country is welcoming to. Immigrants is, is something that um, all, all uh, and to, to everyone, something that all, all Jewish people in this country, I think, should should be getting behind, and, and most really are, which I'm happy about. You know, I find it fascinating how you're saying this. Is I think that a lot of um, many causes that I think are um, initiated and um, the the activists and the people and the we have out there that are trying to change the world are usually kind of I think most of the time I think are affected by some sort of negative experience and they're trying to prevent that negative experience from happening again. And it sounds like for you, you had this wonderful positive experience that you just wanted to share with people. That's such, that's so, I can't even think of the words, but it just feels like something good. It's like sharing love almost not to sound hippie. Yeah. Hippie, right? um... Yeah, and it's not, I mean, you know, everybody's also felt what it feels like to not feel welcome. Um, I've, I've felt it in my life. We all have. Um, and so it's, it's both trying to act on that positive, uh, experience, but also, you know, not wanting people to have a negative one when they could have a positive one. Um, so, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's both, but, but, 
but yeah, the, the positive experience was the biggest spark for, for me. That's true. So I, you mentioned Ecuador. It sort of made me think I, I grew up in, in Queens, New York, which is just a, a, a center of, 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 of immigrants and immigration. There's, there's more languages spoken in, in that municipality than any, any other uh, municipality in the country. My, my closest friend from junior high school was, was, was born in Ecuador. I actually attended his, his wedding in, in Quito, which was an incredible experience. So just having immigrants from, from all over the world was, was part and parcel of growing up for me. I, I was a print journalist. I'm, I'm, I'm used to, there is a question at the end of this. I'm, I'm used to seeing both sides of a lot of issues. This was one, I, I, an issue I've always had a tough time relating to the other side on. I, I've, I've always felt that, that, you know, within security constraints and, 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 and practicality, we should, we should be as open and, and, and welcoming or as, as, as possible. But, but clearly there is, there is another side that I've, that I've tried to un, un, understand. And, and I do, I have, I've, cons, I have conservative friends that have sort of framed it, you know, as an, as an issue of rights, like do, do, you know, do people from all over the world have a right to come to the United States? And if not, then, you know, then how do we think of it? So I, I was just, I was just wondering how, how you sort of frame this, this, this whole issue of immigration and, 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 you know, how, how you, res, you know, how, how you approach folks who, who might have a, a different perspective than, than you on it. Sure. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely immigration is uh, is an emotional issue. It, it brings out emotions on both sides uh, stronger than a lot of other issues because it's about identity and about security and about you know all of the things that um, yeah, just a lot of different emotional hot buttons are, are laden within the issue of immigration. Um, and so. Um, you know, what I've found is that on, on the issue, because it's an emotional issue, when you're really feeling emotional, it's hard to feel empathy for the other um, side. And so, um, you know, my experience is in community. And in community, um, you know, in the end, you have to make it work. And communities, you know, the reason why I work in over 160 communities is because, you know, when someone arrives in your community, yeah, most people... Uh, realize that, well, people are here, we, we want to make this work. And, and the, the welcomers in the community, which are usually like just maybe 20% of the community, are welcomers already kind of predisposed. They're going to be supportive and they're going to say, well, of course we should welcome folks that just got here. Um, and 20%, and this is sort of uh, based on a lot of polling, not just the United States, but around the world, 20% of people are saying no. We shouldn't welcome these people here. Why are they coming to the community and making it worse? And and my focus is not in that twenty percent because it's very hard to change their uh, opinions. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a whole other um, methodology, and, and it's very time intensive. Um, but there's sixty percent in, in most communities uh, that uh, are kind of confused about the issue and don't have a strong opinion. Um, but are you know uh, are in the middle and, and kind of fearful, but also recognizing that this is part of what makes America America. Um, and so, uh, our work, in the end, a lot of it is about trying to mobilize people who are welcomers 
um, to uh, to help uh, convince that 60% in any one community um, that that immigrants are are a benefit. But you know, in the process, you have to have empathy for people in that in that middle 60%. Uh, that if you're in a community that's looked the same way your whole life, and then um, which a lot of the communities that we work with have in the South and Midwest, um, and then all of a sudden it's it's completely changing, and, and the only thing you're hearing about the change is maybe on talk show, talk radio, or um, rumors that are circulating in the community. Um, you're not going to necessarily have a positive image, and so um, we work with people like that. But then when they meet immigrants um, and hear their stories. Uh, their their perceptions change, um, and I've seen the light go on in a lot of people's eyes that way. Um, and so, if if we didn't reach out to those people and have empathy for them, we wouldn't be able to get them to, to start to change. Um, but but you can, and and we do, and we we look to. I'm curious also when you talk about um, welcoming the stranger and um, I mean it's an interesting phrase and it is used actually fairly heavily throughout um, throughout Jewish text of um, you know be you know be kind to the stranger because you were once a stranger in a strange land I mean is that a coincidence that that's the kind of phrasing that you use or um, really I'm kind of curious how your Judaism actually kind of plays into the work that you do. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I've been, uh, I, I grew up uh, reform and at the, at the Passover Seder every year, uh, hearing about uh, our experiences as strangers, uh, you know, in, in Egypt. And um, the idea of, of welcoming the stranger is such, such a central part of Judaism. And, and welcoming the stranger is also the idea of just having, like, empathy in general, which is also something important in Judaism. Um, and so, so yeah, it's always felt, uh, since I moved into this area of work, it's felt very aligned with my values as, as, uh, as a Jew. Um, so when I do this work uh, and I talk to people in my family about it, they understand because this is a core part of our, our value. Uh, so there's the values piece, like the, the through the, the Torah, through lessons, um, but then there's also just the historical piece, the fact that we were strangers, not just in Egypt, but, uh, you know, we, we've been refugees yeah, and well. immigrants uh, very recently, and, and it didn't always go well either. You know, we weren't always welcome to the United States. Some of us were turned back, and, uh, you know, from the United States during World War II. Um, and so um, we, have, we, we are not uh, far away from the refugees that are arriving or some cases not arriving from the Middle East or other places now. Um, and so we have a moral commitment, in my opinion, to, to be true to our values as, as a people, but also be true to our history as well um, and, and not forget that we relied on people to uh, welcome us. Uh, sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't, but now it's our turn um, to, to live up to our, our, you know, when history calls, uh, that we live up to, to our um our morals and our our history and our lessons from history. I mean, we're coming from the we're recording in the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College, so I, I guess we'd be remiss not to point out for our listeners that you're a member of a Reconstructionist congregation in Atlanta and are a great grandson of a founder of the first Reconstructionist synagogue in New York, Society for the Advancement of Judaism, and. 
you just told us before we went on the air that your your great grandparents were actually married by by Rabbi Mordechai Kaplan. So does that you know does that lineage or legacy have any extra bearing or or, or influence on on you and your work? Well, of course, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the values of my great grandfather Samuel, um, you know, around not just Reconstructionism, but you know. The, being part of the, the creation of that that idea and that, that movement, um, certainly uh, those values seeped into uh, my brother and me and, and my family. Um, and so, yes, of, of course, uh, it's been it's been a part of me since I was since before I even realized it was a part of me. And now in, in Atlanta, uh, I belong to like a great Reconstructionist uh, synagogue uh, congregation, Bet Havarim. Um, and our, our rabbi uh, is uh, is just uh, amazing. He's an amazing leader. Um, it's, it's a synagogue that was uh, originally for LGBT, uh, the LGBT community in Atlanta, uh, and then since then has been expanded to just being welcoming uh, to everybody. But that that initial uh, cause of it being started, the, the idea of inclusion of people who didn't feel included is still such a part of the culture of the synagogue. Um, and so it's really an honor to be part of that congregation and, and uh, have uh, Rabbi Josh Lesser leading us. And he's just so supportive of what I do um, and such a, like a, an important voice in Atlanta and in this region. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice for me to feel connected to my past uh, through the present, through being part of the uh, Reconstructionist uh, synagogue and, and congregation in Atlanta. So we're actually just about running out of time, which is very unfortunate because I feel like I could ask you all sorts of questions about the things that you've seen and the work that you've done. And one thing I I think that um, many of us have heard about, you know, we're all familiar, I think, with um the issues with immigration and being welcoming. And I think also I hear quite a bit that being welcoming is almost kind of a bit of a a buzzword. You know, people say that they want to be welcoming, they are welcoming, but how do you show that? What are, what are things that we can do in order to be welcoming, I guess? Like what are ways that we can make our communities welcoming? Well, there's, there's a whole, we use a spectrum for, uh, um, when we try to analyze a community, diagnose a community to see where they are on the welcoming spectrum, are they in a fearful place as a community or more of a tolerant place or an actively welcoming place? There's also a spectrum as far as engagement uh, on welcoming. So uh, on one end of the spectrum, you could um, you know, work with your municipal government, whether it's you know, Philadelphia, the big city, actually Philadelphia is a great participant in our network. Um, or uh, some of the smaller towns and cities surrounding uh, in the area. But, but yeah, everything from getting a city and municipal government to join the network and, and to um, create welcoming policies and programs as a result, um, that's on one end of the engagement spectrum, to uh, having a conversation uh, in your neighborhood, uh, you know, reaching out to uh, immigrants and refugees, uh, in, in you know, either in your neighborhood or in the broader community, um, inviting somebody to your house for dinner or for Shabbat dinner, for example, um, or 
having a larger conversation at your synagogue about this, um, especially inviting immigrants or refugees to come to the synagogue. Um, and we, we have tools on our website that can help you to, to do um, some of these some of these different things uh, on the um, grassroots, I would say, level. Um, another thing is we have a, 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 in September we do something called Welcoming Week. Um, and, and in Welcoming Week, communities and individuals host events across the country that bring immigrants and uh, uh, long-time residents together uh, in contact uh, and in, in uh, the celebration of the idea of welcoming. And so anybody can host you know, a dialogue at the synagogue during welcoming week and, and, and be part of this larger movement of communities doing that. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's uh, a limitless number of things, uh, but, but really when you, when you get down to the, the basics of it, it's, it's about, um, that connection. How do you start connecting yourself and those around you, um, to people who may feel like strangers and, uh, you know, doing that, uh, can change your life. My, my mom, uh, who still lives in Wynwood and uh, outside of Philadelphia, uh, she, she volunteers, uh, with a local refugee serving organization that's become very close to a Bhutanese family, um, in, in, in the area. Um, and that's changed her life and her outlook and her also understanding of the work that I do. Um, and so through that work, she's, uh, started to help that community feel more or that, that family feel more welcome in Philadelphia, but she's also felt, um, like more a part of um, the community as well. So that's also something that you can do, just volunteer for a local organization. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, the options are limitless. It's just important to get started. Needless, uh, needless to say, this, this, this has been challenging months and I'm sure a challenging time for your organization. Um, how do you, you know, how do you stay optimistic when, um, you know, not to get too political, but when our, our you know, the goals of our admit, our administration seem counter to what you're you're trying to accomplish. Sure. So it's it's um it, it is uh, the, these are sad times, and it's um, very sad to see our um, our values threatened, to see immigrant communities feeling threatened and and really being threatened. Um, and these are not easy times, and you can't you can't whitewash that or sugarcoat that. Um, from our perspective, you know, our silver lining is the fact that there are a lot more welcomers who have come out of uh, the woodwork. Um, so um, more people who want to get involved in helping to welcome immigrants and refugees in every community that we work in, for sure, and want to be supportive in, in whatever way they can. Um, and so the, the level of engagement has gone, gone up uh, hugely, but also the number of cities um, that realize that they need to do something and have, have joined our network and, and are actively welcoming in ways that they weren't before has grown tremendously since the election. Um, and so... You know, from perspective, what we can do is one community at a time, a community at a time, grow this movement of of welcoming places, and so it's a it's a bottom up change. Um, but you know, our, our vision is to be in every community in the country, and and, and actually, we, we have a certification program. We want to certify every community in the country as welcoming, and when that happens, um, it's going to be a lot harder for. Um, this country to do what it did uh, in November, um, and so we're just we're just you know one community at a time building a, a, a bottom up movement to um, get our, our country back on track because this is not who we are. What what's happening now um, at the federal level? Um, it's just not who we are, um, and we need to we need to turn the ship around. 
I mean, we all need to do our part. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day saving the world. And I hope that, uh, which, and thank you also for all of your advice on how we can get involved to make our country and our world a more welcoming place. Um, So I hope every, our listeners check out Welcoming America and also on your website, you can also see a, about a 15 minute video of David's talk in TED Talk in Germany where he throws his parents under the bus for saying don't talk to strangers. <laughs> so um, it's a it's a fabulous talk. It was it was great and it gave a it gave us a lot of things to think about and we were very excited to be able to talk to you and being able to dig more into what you do and your motivation and what keeps you going. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And yeah, yeah we, we, this is such a, uh, a rich topic. We could have talked for hours, but I, I enjoyed uh, the time that we had very much and appreciate you shining a light on this, uh, this, this work and this, this moment in, in time. Hope we can do it again sometime. It was, it was a pleasure. Yeah, I do too. Thanks so much. Definitely a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And if you want to check out more information, go to welcomingamerica.org. And if you like what you hear, please go ahead. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We could we could use it. If you would rather leave a four-star, please uh, just send us an email. <laughs> I don't so if people don't like what they're doing, what we're doing, I guess we don't. We don't. We, <laughs> you don't have to tell the world, but you can tell us what we're, we're how if if uh, if people don't. They just email us. What, what's uh, what's the carrier pigeon? What's the accepted method of communication these days. Well, you can definitely message us on Facebook. So you can check out our Facebook page on Trending Jew. It's uh, facebook.com slash Trending Jewish. And you can also, I think there's also a contact us on our website, which is trendingjewish.fireside.fm. And please feel free to shoot us an email, give us suggestions. If you have a great story or uh, something that's going on in the Jewish community you'd like us to talk about, please send us a message. We love suggestions. We love talking about what's trending. So everybody, um, have a great week, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you next time on Trending Jewish. Till then, be responsible. And make good decisions. Mm-hmm.